If you're kind and polite, all will be right. We believe that. Paddington believes that. But most importantly, Superyaki believes that. That's right, Superyaki is a company that believes in the finer things in life. Like Paddington, The Rocketeer, Guillermo del Toro, Judy Greer. If you love any of these things that I mentioned, you're going to love the good merchandise at superyaki.com. They make some of the best movie-themed t-shirts, hats, socks, pins, and everything else around. They've been endorsed by Kelly Marie Tran, Judy Greer, Rachel Weiss just said that she's been seeing their bumper stickers around. So if you think that those three actresses have great taste, which, God, I hope you do if you're listening to this show, go on down to superyaki.com. That's superyaki.com. And enter the code SUPERMONSTER, all caps, for 10% off your order. Superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. And welcome back to Monsters Never Die, Talk Film Society's spooky podcast where Jacob and I discuss classic monsters, human or otherwise, as well as their sequels, remakes, and ripoffs. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Curione, editor at large over at Talk Film Society, and with me as always is <laughs> Jacob Die Noble of Mon- <laughs> We Our podcast name doesn't really work for the Crypt Keeper because it already has no, it doesn't, and die in it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you can't you can't pun your way into more of a spooky name than we already have. I like it though. It's good. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's Halloween, baby. Ha- happy Halloween, Jacob. Happy Halloween, Matt, and happy 2-year anniversary. The, yeah, the bone anniversary. Yes. I I got you uh the skeleton of uh the crypt keeper and he will be in the mail very soon. Oh, well, that's so kind. I I got you a bone. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a great start, buddy. Uh, yeah, this is a so rollicking yeah. beginning of so, yeah, our happy, uh, second happy Halloween. year anniversary. Happy, happy Halloween. Halloween. It's uh, the best holiday, bar none. Mm. Uh, I will accept no substitutes for any other holiday. Uh, maybe Earth Day, because that's kind of neat. Um but Earth yeah, no. Day is your number two? No, fuck Earth Day. It's stupid. We're all doomed oh. anyway. Um, <laughs> that's the real horror of Monsters Never Die, Jacob, realizing that we're all doomed. Uh, so so what's new, buddy? I feel, I say this every month, but I feel like I haven't talked to you in years. Well, I'm excited to be back on Monsters Never Die, finally not talking about Godzillas oh, or my giant goodness. monsters at all. This I, 2021 has been all giant monsters, pretty much. Um, I love that big dude, but if I don't talk about him for a very long time, I'll be happy. I was at a wedding this weekend, and uh, there was another podcast uh, host there, 
And he said, yeah, we should get you on for our Godzilla uh, episodes. And I go, (laughs) I go, oh, you're funny. Uh, No, sorry. I just did four months of that. And uh, no, I'm good. I'm good for a while. Good talking about Godzilla. Just tell him to cut clips from our episodes and just put them into theirs. Use sound bites. Uh, Speaking of that wedding, it was uh, Joe from the movie dumpster. It was his wedding. And oh, it was a, uh, lovely congratulations, time. Joe. Yep. Uh, him and his uh, wife now, uh, Julie, uh, they really are perfect. They're wonderful people. Uh, listeners remember him from um, our Jaws episode. And mm-hmm. uh, they are just lovely, lovely people. Yeah, I met both of them at your wedding. and Yeah, there they you were, go. They, they were wonderful to connect with and talk with. Uh, See, so yeah, I hope Joe hears this episode and hears about how awesome his wedding is. <laughs> Man, that's so good. I love that. It was a uh, very good weekend. Uh, That was on Sunday on one side of a mountain. uh, And then the previous night, we were on the other side of the mountain uh, on a Camp Crystal Lake tour that uh, Carlo got uh, us tickets uh, for my birthday. And that was a lot of fun. We the tour starts at around, I'd say, quarter to eight. And we were leaving the parking lot at around, I don't know, 1130. Mm-hmm. So it's a long tour. You're hiking through the woods. You are going through all the filming locations for the original Friday the 13th. It was really cool. We got to see the uh, the actual bunk where uh, K- uh, Kevin Bacon was murdered. That oh. was really cool. They have all the cabins are still there and functioning. It is a functioning summer camp, Jacob, that uh, Boy Scouts go to. Like, children go here. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was really, really cool. We got to hang out in the mess hall. Uh, we got to see where the first couple that Mrs. Voorhees murders back in the uh, the 50s. That was really cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, fantastic time. If anyone is ever in New Jersey, I highly recommend it. It is well worth the trip, and you'll have a really good time, and most of the money you spend there goes to charity, so even better. That's great. I... I wish there was a Friday the 13th part two tour. <laughs> that would be fun. Actually, uh, some of the, the tour guide was asking like trivia questions and the he's like, and who died here? And someone goes, guy in the wheelchair. And he goes, no, 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 that's the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, no, a uh, great time. Great tour. Had a lot of fun. Uh, funny enough. Uh, one of the guys that was at, uh, our table at the wedding had gone on Friday night. So, uh, oh, that's pretty it was cool. a thing to do if you're in that area. Yeah. And that kind of harkens back to our last year Halloween special where we yes. uh, covered all the Friday the 13th. Ah, that was a fun time. That was a great time. And last year, we, um, we also got a little special message from our good friend, the Crypt Keeper. <gasps> we did. Yeah. And, uh, just to jog your memory, it went a little something like this. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, kitties. Hello, boils and ghouls. It's your old pal, John Cusier, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. Yes. And today I have a special shout out for my good fiends, Jacob and Matt, and their podcast, Monsters Never Die. <laughs> Congratulations on your one year anniversary. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I hope you get to celebrate. Be careful out there with this coronavirus. Soon we're going to have to talk about Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood, won't we? But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> And now we are, in fact, back here to talk about the old demon knight and bordello of blood and ritual, Tales which he, from the crypt, which he may have forgotten about, <laughs> which Ugh. we've all forgotten about. But uh, yeah, this is our Tales from the Crypt Halloween special. Yeah, um, I am so excited. This is a very important franchise to me. Matt, tell me a little bit about your tales from the cryptitude has, has uh, this been something that's been in your life a long time we're both kind of of the age i have for it. i have been aware of it my entire life basically mm-hmm. uh i had a bunch of the comic books uh my dad mm. would buy me uh the comics uh they did a bunch of reprintings in the early 90s mm-hmm. and he's like well you like horror here read these your uncle used to read these so i read a bunch oh, of man. the tale yeah yeah i read a bunch of the tales from the crypt comics so my uncle read them when they were coming out so like yeah uh so yeah he got me a bunch of tales from the crypt comics i uh wasn't uh really allowed to like stay up and watch the show on hbo mm-hmm. uh but that's fine. Um, I've seen a few episodes. It's really freaking good. I vividly remember uh, hanging out at a sleepover party when I was in elementary school, and we rented Demon Knight. And oh, man. Absolutely blown away. So that's like my main connection to uh, the Tales from the Crypt. I mean, for this episode, this was the first time I saw Demon Knight in... I don't know, 20 years or so. Oh, man. Yeah, I had not seen that movie probably since VHS in the 90s, because I know we rented it a bunch of times uh, back then. But uh, yeah, I and up until a couple years ago, I did not know that there was a uh, 70s uh, British film called Tales from the Crypt. Had no idea. Uh, So that was all new to me. But uh, I've always liked the comics. I think they're really cool. I got to track those down. I got to see if I still have those. And, uh, yeah, that's my deal with, uh, the Crypt Keeper and the Tales from the Crypt. And, uh, how about you, Jake? Gub? Well, (laughs) (laughs) so, I mean, I feel like in the early 90s, Tales from the Crypt and the Crypt Keeper particularly was just like, it was amazing how this, like, adult focused franchise created this character who every child seemed to love. Yeah, there was a cartoon? Yeah, so there was the the Tales from the Crypt was so popular on HBO. It there was a spin-off cartoon, Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Um, yes, and then that I also, remember. That I remember. Yeah, I watched that religiously as a kid. And then there was also a live action like game show, Secrets of the Crypt Keeper's Tomb. Excuse me. Have you never seen this, Matt? Nope. No, I have not. Oh my god, it's fucking wild. It's a, sorry. It's it's got an even better title than I just said. Secrets of the Crypt Keeper's Haunted House. Oh it's yeah. Like, it's what if Double Dare was hosted by the Crypt Keeper and <laughs> themed as a haunted house? Sure. It's you can find some episodes on YouTube. It's just like it, it ran on CBS, and like it's just a demented part of our television history, and. It's just a hoot to go back and, and That's watch. fantastic. I got to look these up on uh, on YouTube. 
So I, you know, I was just, I was always drawn to the Crypt Keeper. I had a little action figure of him. He's funny. He's great. He's funny. He's ghoulish. He's... He tells dad jokes. It's funny. Yeah. And he's not, like, so... And it was interesting because I was so, like, not interested in scary things as a kid. Like, wow, things okay. scared me way too easily when I was very small. But, like, that's for fair. Reason, I get it. I get it. Crypt Keeper and me were just like, oh, no, this is cool. And I remember my dad watching one of the. Because Tales from the Crypt was so popular on HBO, they spun it off into the primetime Tales from the Crypt, and that would air oh. on Fox. And it was just the same episodes, but they would film. Double versions of like the nudity and like worse violence to cut that out. Gotcha. And okay. It was Corman's Calamity. I remember the episode watching at my dad's house where a cartoonist for EC Comics draws a bunch of like monsters and they come to life and like Cellar Dweller. Yes. So kind of like Cellar Dweller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like that, I was like, oh no, this show is great, but I never really watched it beyond that. And then Going back to that daycare that I always talk about on oh, our show. Oh, no, the cursed daycare, <laughs> the, the the child but, rights violations. <laughs> they one day rented Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight for us. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh, for a no long wonder time, they were like, shut down. And, like, so I'm six. <laughs> Decidedly and, not for children. And in, you know, in my, in like my memory, I'm like, okay, but there were older kids. It's fine. But then I remember, no, the oldest kids at this daycare were 11. So still not the age you should be renting Tales from the Crypt Demon. But I remember trying to negotiate with my, um, with the daycare owner. Well, well, Uh, wait, it came out in 95. So I probably saw it when I was 11 or 12. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But you saw it as 11 or 12, not within like a setting of. Yeah, no, I saw it with, like, you know, friends staying up late, yeah. eating popcorn, and, you know, and switching, so, switching back and forth, playing, like, Nintendo. Yeah. So the thing of it was, though, she had rented it, and she was like, this is just for the older kids. So the younger kids oh, have to okay. go outside and play. And, and again, and so for, I... For two hours. <laughs> I negotiated my way into staying. I was like, no, I've watched this show with my dad. It's fine. <laughs> because you know I, that that one episode that I saw and loved, and yeah. I don't know how I won that argument as a six-year-old. But they just probably didn't so, want to hear it anymore. They're like, "Oh, yeah, whatever, let the kids stay." So I, I I stayed in, and I we could talk more about this when we actually get to Demon Knight. But it was after the scene where Billy Zane punches through a guy's head <laughs> that. The owner finally was like, all right, Jacob, you know what? I don't care what your dad says. you got to go outside. This <laughs> is too get much out of here. So, but... We're getting but shut anyhow. down anyway. Get out. Yeah. So, if you don't know about Tales from the Crypt, it, like like Matt said, it's, it was a horror comic series from the 50s. Um, it kind of kicked off the horror wave of the 50s. Pretty much every yeah. comic publisher was doing horror stuff, trying to chase after the gold that EC Comics, which stood for entertaining comics. EC Comics, basically, like, the horror element, it inspired so many things. Not just this, but also something like, uh, you know, Creepshow. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they had three titles. It was Tales from the Crypt, The Vault of Horror, and The Haunt of Fear. And they... 
each had, had different some... mascots. <laughs> yes, each had different mascots. The Crypt Keeper, who we've been talking about. The uh, Vault Keeper, which is not that original to kind of lame <laughs> spinoff. And then the Old Witch. And yeah. they She's each cool had. Looking. She is. And they each had their own magazine, but all three of them would appear in everybody's magazine. Yeah, so it'd yeah. Be like the Vault Keeper would show up in Tales from the Crypt, being like, "Look." You get the good stories when you're in my mag, but I'll I'll give you one while I'm here. Yeah, the vault keeper had like a blue costume. Yeah, and right? yeah, and That's so how the story apart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the stories had some of you know the best artists of the era. You have Jack Davis, you have um, Al Feldstein, a lot of the folks who would go on to work on Mad Magazine, which was also published by yeah. DC Comics, and they all kind of followed a pretty set formula of evil person does something wrong and then gets an ironic comeuppance. And yes. it's so satisfying every single time. It's so lovable. Um, and yeah, they're just some of the best horror comics around. Um, I think sometimes the like conversation can go a little too strongly in EC's favor. Cause if you read like other companies, they were doing maybe like weirder stuff and they weren't as formulaic. Yeah. But the formula is kind of the joy of the EC comic. It's the ironic twist. And honestly, it's what's kind of ruined me for all like horror anthology since. Because now whenever I see a horror short story, if it doesn't have an ironic twist at the end, I'm just like, what are you doing here? I, I need what are you doing? Why, why are you not yeah, doing what, this? What is this end? You just ended. What, what is that? Um, but yeah, so that's, that's Tales from the Crypt as a concept. And... Let's move on to our first movie then. Our, our Hell first movie is yes. It's called Tales from the Crypt. It was made in 1972, and it's a British anthology horror film made by um, Amicus. Amicus. Amicus, which yeah, did a lot of horror anthologies, and they did a lot of good horror movies. Uh, yeah. They did one of my favorite Vincent Price movies, uh, Madhouse. If uh, oh yes. We will talk about that that movie one day because uh, I think we'll have to do a Vincent Price series one day. Oh, definitely, uh, it's got to happen because he's it's the best. Up. And, and uh, yeah, Oof. yeah, they were like they were the the company that was essentially always chasing Hammer. You know, Hammer had the, yeah, the yeah, big yeah, yeah. British horror company, but Amicus was like close behind and occasionally we can do doing that better too. stuff. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Matt, this was your first time with Tales from the Crypt, is that right? Yes, it was. Tell, tell me about your, your thoughts about the old Tales from the Crypt. This movie rules. <laughs> uh, d- uh, credits rolled. This is one of my favorite horror anthologies. Uh, it's got some fantastic uh, scary stories in it. Uh, it's got a, a terrific cast. I mean, Joan Collins, dude. Like, my eyes opening. lit up. In the opening <laughs> sequence, uh, Joan Collins shows up. And uh, the opening sequence is one of my favorites in the entire movie. I think it's really, really creepy. It's really well done. Uh, we're going to go. want to just go into what the story is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, we don't always do plot synopses, but with like an anthology, I think it's helpful to. to yeah, I think it helps. Like a, uh, so, yeah, so tell actually, me a little bit about and all through the house. Yeah, uh, it takes place, you know, Christmas Eve. Uh, this uh, <laughs> uh, Joan Collins murders her husband because I guess he was a jerk. And um, and uh, but there's a radio message. Uh, while she's listening to some Christmas carols, uh, saying that a uh, a madman has escaped from the local asylum because you know all every horror story has a local asylum, <laughs> which I just I just love. Uh, but 
he's dressed like Santa Claus. So she is, she locks her doors. Uh, it's this is, it's this quick little short of her just being terrorized by this, uh, I guess you call him like a hobo Santa. Like, that's kind of what he looks like. He's just like this, like, insane psychopath Santa. And, uh, everything's going, uh, fine. Uh, she's gonna, she tries to, like, set up. Uh, this Santa Claus to like make it look like he killed her husband so she can get away scot free, which that idea popped in my head early on in, in this, during this segment. I'm like, you should do that. That, that's, that's your smart thing you should do, Joan Collins. Uh, <laughs> but guess what? Uh, her daughter wakes up and says, Hey mom, Santa was at the door. It's Christmas Eve. I let him in. I gave him milk and cookies. Everything's fine. Dun, dun, dun. And <laughs> bye bye, Joan. <laughs> Yeah, it's this, um, awesome. It's very good, and this was actually the first, t- the first EC comic that they used to um, pitch Tales from the Crypt, the TV show. Okay, so yeah, yeah, the only one of these stories. No, I think um, Blind Justice at the end also, but um, so this is another great segment. Yeah, Robert Zemeckis directed the the TV show version of it, and okay, they're. They're both great. They both have such a great eerie vibe to them. It's great, yeah. And like you said, you know, it's just always exciting to see Joan Collins and having the twist of like the little girl letting in Santa Claus, and then oh my god, I love it. She's like, "Hey, Santa's here!" and mom, and the mom just starts screaming, and it's the end, and it's just yep. so good. It's good also, shit. We gotta mention. We gotta mention that like all these characters that are in these stories, they're being told the stories. By the crypt keeper, who is like a, uh, he's just telling them, he's like, well, this is, this is how you could die later today. Yeah. <laughs> it's a much more sedate crypt keeper. He, but I do appreciate he is in an actual crypt, unlike yes. the crypt keeper who's usually like in a haunted house. But like, yeah, yeah, because they're in a cemetery and they're all like, how did we get here? Why are we here? And he's like, uh-huh. well, tell me about your day. And they tell him like these horrible stories. And he's like, huh. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, this is how you're going to die. Up next would be The Reflection of Death, which is actually a really cool segment. Uh, It stars uh, Ian Hendry, who uh, listeners probably know. I mean, if you know Vincent Price, he was in Theater of Blood as well, along with him. And uh, he basically leaves his family to sleep with his secretary, and they're going to live together and live happily ever after. Uh, Screw my wife. Screw my kids. I'm out. But guess what? Car accident. (laughs) There's a car accident, and we jump forward like two years, and uh, he's he's coming back. He's like, where's my secretary? Where's the love of my life? And uh, she's scared shitless. Uh, the, the wife is scared shitless. Uh, and guess what? Uh, this is another quick segment, but spoiler, it's because he's a zombie. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's He's all dead. done in the, it's all done in the first person, which which is, is really cool. Which is it's really cool, cool, and it's a gimmick they actually took from the comic that this was adapted mm-hmm. from. Um, I, I have this is from a Tales from the Crypt twenty three, but um, it's 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 a one trick pony, but it's a good trick, and it's just, it's a very good trick. Know, yes, a first person, you know, walking through, and then at the end he passes a mirror and is like, oh no, I'm a zombie. And then he wakes up, yeah. and it was all a dream. But then the moment he wakes up, the car crashes, and it all happens again. Yeah. So good. Uh, you take uh, the next segment. Yeah, so the next one is one of the best, because it's mm-hmm. got Peter Cushing. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's so good, yeah. Um, so it's about essentially just, like, rich, nimby busybodies who hate their neighbor, Peter Cushing, who is just like, 
a kindly old man who has a bunch of dogs and likes kids. And yeah, he like makes toys for them and stuff. He's like, I'm just I'm just a nice guy. Yeah, and so his neighbor. I like, I, just, I like Peter Cushing, nice guy. Yeah, it's such an it's such a different performance yeah, from him. Like you almost against never type, see like, him. Yeah, no, and you're just like, oh no, this guy's like great with kids. Like, you want to babysit? I mean, I don't have children, nor will I, but hang out. Yeah, it's great. And so they are just like the the neighbors are just like running this horrible smear campaign against him. They they you know, they take his dogs away by animal control, and then eventually he just writes him a bunch of really mean valentines. And yeah, and they're so mean that they eventually drive Peter Cushing to suicide. And then one year later, he comes back and writes like an ironically mean Valentine back. And then they open it up and it's the guy who was mean's heart is in the Valentine. Yeah, he got and his. It's, yeah, it's good. It's um, I do like when... Peter Cushing gets the mean Valentines. He opens the one and he's like so delighted. He's like, "Ooh, a Valentine!" And he starts reading, yeah. and then it like gets mean in the second line. He's like, "Oh no!" And then he he puts it away <laughs> oh, and he pulls no. up the next one and he starts reading and he's like, "Oh, a nice Valentine!" And then he's like, "Oh no!" And then he just oh, keeps no. reading them. And I'm like, "All right, Cushing, I think after two, you can kind of realize the pattern here." Yeah, these are not nice letters, sir. Um. Yeah, and then after that, we have. Essentially, a monkey's paw. It's the monkey's story. paw. It's a yeah. monkey's paw, but yeah. it's it's a good monkey's paw. But it's a very it's... good monkey's paw with a nice little twist on uh, bringing the guy back to life. Yeah, the the woman <laughs> she um, it's a married couple and they get a monkey's paw and she wishes that they're rich and then her husband dies and she gets like the insurance money from it. Yes, and then she's like, "No, I want him back to life." Just but he comes back just and the he... way he is. Yeah, and he's still dead. <laughs> and she's he, like, he, he comes back to life, but he's filled with like you know formaldehyde and shit. Yeah, and like he's been like preserved, so it's like incredibly painful for this man. Yeah, and he's just like screaming and horrible. He's pain like, please and kill me again. And so her final wish is to bring it back to life and to live forever. Oh. <laughs> and so now he's just permanently alive and in pain. <laughs> and. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, do you want to take this last story? Blind yeah. Alleys. Yes, yes, yes. Blind alleys. It takes place at a uh, at a uh, convalescence home, basically for the blind, and it has this a piece of shit uh, new director uh, with his big mean dog, who's a cute dog, but he's big and mean, and uh, basically he just keeps all the money for himself. He cuts funding for this uh house for the blind and um guess what the the blind the blind fellas led by uh, Patrick McGee uh which listeners probably know him from uh you know Clockwork Orange he was the uh author who got his revenge on uh, on Alex he was also in uh, the other Kubrick film uh Barry Lyndon uh, hey. he base he basically gets the other blind men together and guess what they get their revenge on this uh rich asshole he they feed him to his dog they they kidnap his dog they starve it for a few days and then they trap the commander of this this uh blind house uh in the room with the dog and guess what that dog hungry (laughs) 
And it's well, it's even better than that because it's not just the room; it's a thin alleyway lined by razor blades. Yes, it's and he's very to, like, mean and brutal, and he's trying to yeah, quickly work good. his way through it. But the dog's chasing after him, and he keeps cutting his arms on the razors. Yes. It's really mean. I think. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think. What a way is, to end it! Yeah, it's. I love a horror anthology. It's like one Same. of the best kinds of movies you can have they're yes. always good they're always entertaining at the very least you're gonna get one story you like and with this i think all five are strong like oh yeah without a doubt all five are very good it definitely i think it improves it gets better as it goes on and i think that's always a good sign and it ends on a high note and i think that's very important with an anthology yeah yep. and uh they all go to hell <laughs> yeah they all go to hell at the end and that's Awesome. There truly are Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> yes. Uh, great movie. I'm so happy I finally got to watch this. And it's going to be in my regular spooky season rotation. Like, I very much enjoyed this. It was good times. It was um, a big success for Amicus. So the very good. next year, they decided to do essentially a sequel or... I don't know. It, it's hard to call it a sequel because it's just five more stories from EC Comics. Another but, anthology, uh, yeah. Yeah, they do The Vault of Horror. Okay. And it's like, I feel like Amicus was just like so churning out anthology movies that I think EC Comics was a great thing because they could just be like, all right, well, we'll just take like a, you know, we'll just pick five of these at random and we don't actually have to think of anything. <laughs> and yeah, they're great. Uh, Vault of Horror is... It's a weaker movie than Tales from the Crypt. It doesn't have this. It's not as stylish as uh, Tales from the Crypt. Um, but it's still a lot of fun. It's um, directed by uh, Roy Ward Baker, who did Cater Mass and The Pit and a few other the vampire lovers. So he 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 worked both for Amicus and Hammer. Um, this ironically, none of the stories from this one are from Vault of Horror. They're all from Tales from the Crypt. Okay. Um, but whatever, you couldn't call it Tales from the Crypt too, because that's not very interesting. Should have called it More Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> the uh, the first story is pretty weak. Um, it's just essentially about a guy who kills his sister, and then he's like, "Oh, I want to eat some dinner," and they're like, "Ah, oh, the restaurant's closing soon." And he's like, "It's still pretty early. What are you doing?" And they're like, "Oh, well, we <laughs> and." He looks around and it turns out the whole town is full of vampires and his sister's not dead because she's a vampire and the vampire teeth just look really stupid. Oh boy. (laughs) And it's like, it's fine, but like they tap his neck, they tap his neck as like a wine tap. So that's, (laughs) but like, that is cute. It's, that's like the only really interesting moment in it. Um, The second story is about a guy who like, marries a young trophy wife but she's not as tidy and fastidious as he is and um so she eventually snaps and kills him because he keeps getting on her for not keeping the houses ordered as he wants and she cuts up his body and she puts all of his organs and body parts into labeled jars and like that's the finally the first thing that she's ordered the way that he would have liked so that one's fun. I like that a lot. There's another one about an insurance scam. That's that one was actually from Shock Suspense Stories. So okay. it's like, if you watch Tales from the Crypt a lot and like you really pay attention to where the stories are from, 
So they take from the three horror books, but they also take from shock suspense stories, which are the like non-fantasy ones. And those are always good, but they're always a little more crime and punishment based, which is interesting. Uh, but um, it's, I don't know. It's, there's not a lot to say. They, they try and pull an insurance scam about like burying themselves alive, but they're not, they're pretending to be dead, but then they, a grave digger kills the guy and then he actually ends up dead. Um, there's one about a Indian rope that, you know, when okay. you play the, um, it's like, I, this one's a little racist, but <laughs> I mean, a- I, I, I gathered as much when I heard Indian rope. <laughs> It's based on a '50s comic, so you know. Yeah, you know, it could just be. I think nowadays we just call that rope. <laughs> well, it's that thing where you know they play that <laughs> the the instrument and the rope like stands up on its own. Sometimes you see it with like a snake, a snake charmer like thing, but this oh, is just a rope. Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and so this guy is a magician, and he sees a girl do that, and he's like, "Whoa." I will pay you anything for this. And she's like, no, it's not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. take. It's not for sale, sir. (laughs) And so he kills her and steal the rope. And it turns out the rope is actually magic. And they're like, holy shit, let's use this in the act. And then the guy who killed her's wife is climbing the rope like this is so cool. And then she disappears and blood comes down and the rope comes alive and hangs the guy. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that one's really great. I, I that's like kind of cool. Lot. And then the last, I'll one allow Tom, it. <laughs> the last one's got Tom Baker, um, who I think other people probably care about more than me because I refuse to care about Doctor Who. Who? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he is a uh, he's a painter. And he does, like, magic paintings, and there's three people who, like, betray him, so he paints each of them and then mutilates their paintings, and they die in the ways that he mutilates the paintings. So it's pretty cool. It's it's like a voodoo thing, but all in all, it's like, I would say one of the weaker... It's fine. Yeah. Really, the rope one despite the racism, is the best part of the movie. I mean, um, you described a woman climbing up a rope and then being turned into blood. Uh, yeah. You kind of sold me on the entire movie. Just with that sequence. It's the kind of thing where it's like, if it is a late October night and you just want the vibes of something like this, this is... Throw it on. Yeah, throw it on. You know, If you've seen Tales from the Crypt a bunch of times, you, you can do a lot worse than... Uh, yeah, you have this. an idea of what you're getting into and... Who knows? You might have fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, in between the uh, after the Amicus films, Tales from the Crypt kind of fell out of you know the public eye for a while until it was revitalized by the HBO TV series. And if you weren't there, I feel like it's hard to realize how big and important Tales from the Crypt was. Yeah, this was essentially the show that put. Or HBO original programming on the map, like yeah, it was uh, this. This was, um, this was like even pre Arliss. Yeah, this is like this was the show for HBO for a while, and it. My was mom also- and dad used to watch this show, and there was another show that was on HBO around the same time, and I just cannot remember what it was called. 
I'm just gonna read some titles that like predated it, Tales from the Crypt on HBO, just to give you a context of like how nothing HBO was until Tales from the Crypt came along. Yeah, yeah the Ray Bradbury Theater, the Storyteller, the Hitchhiker, which was another horror anthology, and ironically, the show where Paul Verhoeven got his U.S. debut. Oh shit! Yeah, they were running Kids in the Hall, which Dream On, Dream On, Dream On was the other show. It was um. It was a uh, Marta Kaufman show. She did uh, Friends. Oh. Uh, David Crane. Uh, he did that. Uh, it started. It starred Brian Ben Ben. Yeah, Sounds it like was a. a uh, it's a totally real name. Uh, it was basically like a uh, like a sitcom. But oh it was on, yes. It was. It was. It lasted six seasons. It's got 120 episodes. Dream on that. Larry Sanders and Tales from the Crypt were the shows my parents would watch. Yeah, there I remembered. <laughs> wow. Yeah, tells- Tales from the Crypt, it was, you know, really the first time that movie stars and movie creators were slumming it on TV because the idea was that HBO was the movie network and so that they wanted mm-hmm. their TV show to have that movie pedigree. Like, the producer of the list. only times, one of the only times Arnold Schwarzenegger directed. Yes. 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 Let, I just uh, let me read you some of the directors, just like so you just know fucking what a wild row of talent they had. So executive wild. producers are Richard Donner, David Glyer, yeah. and Walter Hill, who wrote Alien. <laughs> yeah, Joel I know. Silver and Robert Zemeckis. So you got so the, you got the, the Alien quintet. guys, you got the Alien guys, and you have the Omen guy. Yeah, pretty yeah. good pedigree right there. <laughs> and it, it came about because Joel Silver and Walter Hill were talking about their love of EC Comics while they were shooting. <laughs> um, Streets of Fire, which oh was God, very great movie that which was know, very crime comic <laughs> inspired. And then they were like, you know, we should do a show with this. And Joel Silver's like, all right, let me get at least two more directors on board. And he yeah. was also working on the Lethal Weapons with Richard Donner. And then <laughs> he was working on um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit with Robert Zemeckis. And was like, hey, you there guys you want to in on this? And like, yeah, some of the directors that have been on this show that worked on the show, William Friedkin. Yeah, of the exorcist i just watched that the other night guess what still great <laughs> yeah tom holland okay yes psycho 2 um child's play john frankenheimer mary mm-hmm. lambert toby hooper okay and then oh it was also stephen hopkins stephen hopkins love him of predator it was also 2 like fame. a lynching <laughs> launching pad for like actors and special effects artists who like wanted to try their hand at directing so like daniel craig like we meant it yeah kyle mclaughlin tom hanks michael j fox they all directed episodes yeah the show lasted for seven seasons six of which are good uh the seventh season season, they uh cut the budget severely and they moved production to england and so it's all just like English hence, nobodies and like hence Daniel Craig, yeah, <laughs> um, but baby Craig. <laughs> after a couple of years, the show was so big they decided that they wanted to spin off and start doing movies. Yeah. And Matt, so they originally pitched three movies, two of which never got made, and Demon Knight was supposed to be the second movie. Okay. But Matt, do you know what two movies that did get made were originally supposed to be Tales from the Crypt movies? Uh, I feel like I know this, but uh, hit me up. What is it? The Frighteners. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no, that that tracks. Uh, Robert Zemeckis wanted, um, essentially, he wanted Peter Jackson to write The Frighteners, and then he was going to direct it. 
And then he okay. read the script and was like, you know what? This is actually too good for just a Tales from the Crypt. Like, you should, <laughs> you should take this on your own and you should do it, which ended up being a bomb anyway. But We'll have <laughs> and to then cover the other that one. movie one day. Can we? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I fucking love the Okay. Writings. Okay, good. And then the I other one too. was from Dusk Till Dawn. Ooh, and another mo- a movie that I've never seen. Shockingly. What? Oh, my. I know. I think we've had this conversation on we, the show before. We have, and I still have not seen From Dust Till Dawn. Even my, Carlo thinks it's weird that I haven't seen that. My uh, girlfriend was at Trivia today, and um, it turned out to be Halloween trivia, and so I wasn't there. Of course, but, it's um, the season. She said that one of the questions was, um, in the film From Dusk Till Dawn, Selma Hayek comes out to do a dance. What animal is she wearing around her shoulders? And for bonus points, what's her character's name? And she told me that that was the question. I was like, okay, Boa Constrictor and Santanica Pandemonium. Everybody knows that. She's like, nobody Everybody knew that. No, no one got that right. And I was like, well, you guys should all watch From Dusk Till Dawn. And Matt, I'm going to say that to you. But yeah, so what did get made was Demon Knight. And this movie fucking rules. Matt, tell me, tell me everything this, about Demon Knight. Okay, this movie. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, like I said before, rented this at a sleepover. Kind of blew our minds, our, our little 11-year-old minds. Uh, basically, uh, this guy, uh, played by William Sadler, uh, who is amazing in this movie. He's so uh, good. He's really freaking good in it. Uh, he's another totally weird and random twitter mutual that i have uh very very crazy uh he actually responded with a prayer emoji when i tweeted about how good he is in this freaking movie Um, you should have got him on this episode with us i I should have tried (laughs) uh he yeah, he's basically being chased uh, through the desert by a uh, a demon named uh, named uh, the Collector, who's played by a batshit crazy Billy Zane. Yeah. Uh, he is so good in this. This is top tier Zane right here. I mean, in the '90s, you really couldn't stop the Zane train, Jacob, and uh, it ran right through Demon Knight, uh, ripping hearts out and decapitating people and cutting off uh, CCH Pounder's arm and uh, <laughs> just <laughs> and then she continues to be in the movie even after she is uh, dismembered uh, it's it's fun as shit I love it I love the effects the demons look cool um, I like basically that William Sadler's an angel right like well right? it's an even angel? better than that he's he's essentially a soldier of God and yeah he was- yeah he was a World War, I think, two veteran, and yeah, he's in old World as hell. Two, he's given this key filled with Jesus's blood. Yes, <laughs> and they're like, "All right, it's up to you to stop demons from taking over for the next like sixty years, and then you have to pass this along to someone." And he ends up passing it along to Jada Pinkett. And hell yeah, it's. Pre-Smith. <laughs> Can we just talk about how great this cast is? So we have William Sadler. Oh my god, yeah. Who is doing one of his few purely heroic roles. Yeah. And Billy Zane, who has claimed that what he was trying to channel was an R-rated version of Robin Williams's genie. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, you got it, buddy. You and it's it. essentially, like, this movie is great because it's essentially just, like, they just went to Billy Zane and they're like, Anything you want to do, just go ahead and do it. It'll it'll be great. Well, have fun. Have and fun. It's it's the most fun Billy Zane's ever had on a movie, and Billy Zane oh, has a had a lot of fun in a lot of movies. Yes. So uh, it's, we got 
We got uh, we got him. We got CCH Pounder, who I've always loved. Yeah, we have Thomas oh. Hayden Church. Oh my God. We have Charles Fleischer. Yeah, we have uh, Dick fucking Dick Miller. Miller. Yes. And it's a siege film, so it's these characters are trapped in a hotel that used to be a church, mm-hmm. and the demons are outside, and the doors and windows have been sealed with Jesus's blood, so the demons can't get in. But like when you have that cast, you are genuinely excited Invested. anytime it cuts to anyone. Like yes, you there's are. never you a really moment are. where you're like. Uh, I don't really care for this character. You're like always invested, and it's so good. Yeah, no, you love this. Uh, and and who directed this, Jacob? Ernest Dickerson, baby. Oh my god, one of my favorite human beings. I could listen to this man talk for hours, and I have in various documentaries and behind the scenes uh, discussions uh, with him. Uh, he's made he made two of my favorite horror movies uh this and bones and i love them both dearly uh the dude knows horror like he knows exactly what he's doing uh got his start obviously you know being the the dp for uh, spike lee on a whole bunch of pictures and he shot he basically fucking i mean if you shoot do the right thing you are instantly yeah, like he's good as a titan yes uh he he shot that uh malcolm x i mean he he is a titan. Uh, he's great, and he's a great underrated director. Not enough people mention mm-hmm. Ernest Dickerson when they talk about honestly great horror directors. He knows and what he's doing. He's a very he's he's effective. His movies are effective. In the doc for this movie, he mentions that it is entirely possible that this may be the first movie where a black woman saves the world. <laughs> Uh, because Jada I would Pinkett probably defeats, agree with him. Yeah, defeats Billy Zane, the demon, and like saves the world from being taken over by like hell beasts. And it's like this may be the first time that's ever happened to yeah. that degree of like safe. And it's oh god, this movie it's fun. So and you have funny. the you have the scream factor. I'm guessing. Yes, I unfortunately don't. I have a really old double feature disc of this and Bordello of Blood that has no bonus features. Um, oh. It's, it, it's, I think the only bonus feature is that it's anamorphic. It's really <laughs> bad. It's really bad. Oh, no, wait. It had character bios or like actor bios on, on yeah. the disc. It's, it's really bad, Jacob. Like, I desperately need to upgrade uh, my Demon Knight experience. I really, really want that Blu-ray. Uh, because, I mean, I could tell that the effects were great. They didn't look great because of how, you know, bad the quality is. It's a bad transfer, Jacob. Bad. Yeah. I want to spray it with a water bottle. Tell it to get off the couch. (laughs) Matt, you definitely need to upgrade. It is because it's a beautiful looking film. And the demon. And it's only 20 bucks. It's only 20 bucks. I should do it. 20 bucks. You know, splurge on this one. But yeah, this movie, like like I said earlier, it fucking owns, dude. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. So, it, like I said, it's the it's structured like a siege film where the demons are trying to get in, and the way that they're trying to get in is that Billy Zane gets individual seduction scenes for every character, where he tries to offer them it's their cool. heart's desire, and it's yeah. like for Dick Miller, it's a bunch of naked women and alcohol, and yeah. he's just a bartender. <laughs> And for it's there's so a kid good. in there, and he takes the form of an EC comic book and like possesses yeah. the kid and turns him into a. De- it's all the characters slowly turn into demons. 
It's the it's only time stuff. Dick Miller has ever done um, makeup work, which is surprising given yeah. his yeah. long history in genre film. Yeah. He's usually just, you know, that guy. And this, they were like, no, you're going to sit in this chair for a couple of hours. We're going to get you up with makeup. And it's interesting, though. I would say I love this movie to death. It never, it doesn't, it captures the tone of a Tales from the Crypt episode, but it doesn't really capture the structure of one. There's no, not really. no ironic comeuppance. There's no ironic twist. The characters are very clearly delineated between good and evil. But it's, honestly, but honestly, when the movie is this good. Yeah. It it's doesn't fine. matter. And it's like, fine. You get to see the Crypt Keeper at the start. He walks for the first time. It's weird. It's it, weird. It is weird. It's not it's not a great effect, but um so this was originally a script that existed for like ten years before Tales from the Crypt even happened. Wild. Um Wild. it was originally gonna be directed by Tom Holland. Um and then Mary Lambert wanted to do it. And then briefly it went to Charles Band and Full Moon Features and it that Oh no, didn't don't happen. do that. Um because then we'd never see a, a Scream Factory of it. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, did you know that there were budgetary issues when they were in pre-production, and one of their plans was they were thinking, well, what if instead of demons, the demons are like men in black suits with sunglasses, and when you take off the sunglasses, they have like evil green eyes? And one of the producers was like, no, we're not making a movie called Demon Night, where the demons are just dudes in suits. Yeah, no, come on now. Let's not be silly. The the demon costumes are really cool. They all have like face jewelry and like top knots and these like cool stilt legs. We get Oh, they walk creepy. They all they all walk like Pumpkinhead. It's creepy. Yeah. They do the essentially the um like Pan's Labyrinth thing where you have like the stilts that like bend backwards. Yeah, yeah, your yeah. Your feet go yeah, on yeah. so your feet are the knees. It's really cool. Um Yeah, there's a flashback to Jesus being crucified. <laughs> Which, sure, throw that in your movie. Yeah. Ernie. <laughs> um, our hero, the, like I said, there's a kid in the movie, and the kid gets possessed by a demon, and Jada Pinkett just fucking punts him out a window, and he explodes <laughs> because the window has been, like, protected against demons. Fuck them kids. <laughs> uh, no, I love this movie. This is, uh, it's great. It's yeah. It's a personal favorite, and uh, I'm so glad I revisited this. It had been so long, so long, Jacob, since I got to watch Demon Knight. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, when you suggested let's do Tales from the Crypt for the Halloween episode, I was like, oh, my God, I get to watch Demon Knight. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Oh, there, I, I, we forgot to, there's, one of the characters is a prostitute, and I, she gets, is, she's I, the, she's the one from, uh. What else has she done? Uh, she was in one of the hot shots. First or the second one. I forget which one. But she, she's she's like one of the broads in that. She's she's great in this. And uh, I think all of the best lines are either from her or related to her. Um, there's a scene where she and um, Thomas Hayden Church are... You think they're having sex, but then the cops open the door and she has a car battery hooked up to his nipples. Yes, she gets so distracted that like it keeps zapping him, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Turn it off! My nipples are smoking." (laughs) And then he's fun in this movie too. I like. He is great. He just plays a shithead. And then, um, 
CCH Pounder is like talking about doing her laundry, and she's like, "Here, yeah, here's your here's your sheets. I couldn't get all the stains out." And then there's a beat, and they go, "Damn guacamole!" <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's so a funny. I like of- uh, her character in this. I like how they give her the Vasquez death. It's yeah. pretty cool. Oh yeah, they do. And it, they do give her the Vasquez death. Like, no, go on ahead. I got this. And then yeah. like grenades. <laughs> oh man, it's cool. It's really cool. Oh, and Charles Fleischer is a post office employee, and it's discovered that he's been stockpiling weapons to shoot up the post office, <laughs> and they use those weapons to fight off the demons. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's it's a very '90s bit, but that's a, it's yeah. so good. Um, it's good. Movie yeah. rules. Uh, I, I'm. We're just gonna play a clip from um, Billy Zane here of him yelling, "Fuck this cowboy shit!" Fucking hold up, hold up. Well, then they're motherfuckers! Because that's the best line in the movie where he, he gets just so frustrated. Because the opening, oh, we didn't even talk, like, the opening of the movie, it's unclear who is the hero and who is the villain. Because William exactly. Sadler and they, Billy they Zane are both well. kind of known for being villains. And it's played like Billy Zane is the hero, but it's played with, like, an undercurrent of menace. So you're, you're watching, you're like, I really don't know who I'm rooting for. And then... Uh-huh. And, a, and then Billy Zane punches through a guy's head, and you, you're like, oh, yeah. I guess we do know. Fuck. I want to hear I, that clip. <laughs> I might watch this movie again as soon as <laughs> I might order this movie as soon as uh, we're done here. CCH Batter, like you said, she has her arm ripped off, and she lifts up Continues her Continues on in the movie. <laughs> and um, Billy Zane like is offering her a deal, and she lifts her stump up, and he's like, oh, are you shaking my head? And she goes, no, uh, this is me giving you the finger, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I've always uh, liked her. She's yeah, great. She is great. Um and the it it's, the Cryptkeeper stuff is fun. Um it was not directed by Ernest Dickerson. It was directed by Gil Adler who did a lot of the uh direction of the Cryptkeeper stuff, yeah. stuff. And um it's great. It, you know, you see the Cryptkeeper as a movie director. They really lean into that and It's fun. Ma- Matt, it's did fun. you wait till the end of the credits? I did not. The Cryptkeeper pops up and he's like Wait for next year for my next movie, Dead Easy, which never got made. And then it like never got made. Bugs Bunny circles out on him. So uh, we will have to talk about a CCH Pounder again in another episode that I want to do. Because um, she's in one of my favorite 90s, late 90s. Remember in the late 90s when they had like the Millennium Hysteria? Oh, yeah. Well, she's in one of my favorites. And one day we will talk the classic... Peter Hyams film. What is it? Is that End of Days? You're the damn other one? right it is. <laughs> it's End of Days, my friend. I've never we'll seen it. End of Days. <laughs> and I always get it vaguely confused with Stigmata, which I think I saw as like a seven-year-old. A much better film than Stigmata. And I'm pretty sure you confused them because they both have Gabriel Byrne. I cannot imagine that's why I confused them. Except in Stigmata, he's a priest. And in End of Days, he is the devil. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about End of Days one day. And I can't wait for you to see that, man. I can't. I really can't wait. <laughs> well, now it's time for us to talk about Bordello of Blood. The oh, second I have a fun Tales story about this movie. Do you? Tell me your fun story about Bordello of Blood. I started watching it for the episode. I was not enjoying myself. <laughs> I fell asleep. And I never went back. <laughs> Spoiler. 
Spoiler, Matt, I also have a major aversion to Dennis Miller, so it's like, not helping its cause. Hey Matt, do you know who also wasn't enjoying themselves and also had an aversion to Dennis Miller? You? Literally every person who worked on this film. <laughs> I believe it, because that guy's kind of a fucking asshole. The, um, there's a... I I highly recommend Matt you check out the Shout Factory uh, documentary on this is on YouTube so you don't have to I'll buy have... Bordello of Blood. I'll okay, send good. you the link. Watch it on YouTube. It is literally forty five minutes of people trash talking Dennis shitting Miller. him. <laughs> okay, uh, I actually saw something about this on uh, Letterbox. Uh, let me read this real quick. Uh, it's uh, from my friend Ian West. Uh, who uh, will be on the show one day. He's a good guy. Uh, he says in his review, I watched the making of feature it, and Dennis Miller really comes off like a piece of shit, money-hungry, megomaniacal shithead who is completely uninterested in this movie or the existence of everyone else on planet Earth other than himself. He sucks. <laughs> Ian, I love you. You're amazing. You're going to be on the show. The documentary is great because, like, <laughs> Corey Feldman is in it because Corey Feldman's in the film. And Corey Feldman comes off as, like, the figure of, like, reason. And when that's true in your documentary. You never want that to be the thing that happens. <laughs> no, you never want that. So this was a student script by Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis that they Oof. wrote pre-Back to the Future, pre-Used Cars, pre-everything. And had just been sitting around for decades. And when things started falling through with their other Tales from the Crypt movies, um, they were just like, hey, we have this script just sitting around. You want to just throw it up in the lineup? And they're like, yeah, I guess, kind of. Um, sure, we'll buy this. And uh, apparently part of it was because like Bob Zemeckis was getting recruited to leave Universal for DreamWorks. And... They were like, hey, if you stay with us at Universal, we'll make this script that you wrote. And he's like, all right, cool. That's that's good enough for me. And then he looks at the script. He's like, I wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, That was me? All right, all right, sure. This is directed by Gil Adler, who had never directed a film before, but he had done a lot of Tales from the Crypt episodes. He was a producer on Tales from the Crypt. And he seems like a fairly good guy. And I don't think he did a terrible job directing. I think everything else just went fell apart matt at what point did you fall asleep when when did you tap out on this one? Oh, like five ten minutes in oh <laughs> i thought you were yeah no i know like i didn't no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no i did not <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry i saw this movie when i was a kid um didn't like it then and uh no <laughs> well well matt i you know I think it's aggressively movie, str- it's aggressively straight, Jake. I was literally about to say this movie was made for one audience and it's teen boys who love to see breasts. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I I can imagine that there's not a lot holding your attention in this film. Um it's it's not good. Uh Dennis Miller plays a private eye and he is investigating Ugh. the mysterious disappearance of uh, Corey Feldman, who is a punk rocker brother of um, Erica Alaniac um, from Baywatch, who is playing a religious, like, conservative religious church-going lady. Um, Apparently in a deleted subplot, she used to be a, a, like, obese porn star, but 
they cut that out of the movie kind of thankfully um she's working with a mega church pastor played by chris sarandon in his like third appearance in a vampire movie yeah and then it turns out that there's a so the i guess the hook of the movie honestly i don't know if the, the hook of the movie could have made for a good movie because the the premise is that a person steals this device that has the blood of a vampire and allows you to control the vampire queen and he sells it to this mega church pastor who is like okay you know what i'm gonna use vampires to kill all the sinners so i'll set up a bordello and so anybody who sins the sin of the flesh will die and that's my good deed for the world and like there's like an ounce of like semi-decent satire there but yeah i mean not it's not great (laughs) but i could see somebody interesting making a like fun tales from the crypty kind of movie out of that but they end up backtracking and chris sarandon the megachurch pastor who has set up people to die turns into the good one of the good guys after they destroy the device and the vampires are now working on their own and so he teams up with Dennis Miller to kill vampires and like gets a sad death and it's like so morally confused oh just got a message from Ian he said uh, yeah Dennis Miller's a scuzzball <laughs> he said he said and I quote he's like Ellis from Die Hard but in real life <laughs> Apparently, um, Gil Adler wanted Daniel Baldwin in the lead role, which I don't think also would have been good. I think that also would have been very bad. Yeah. I mean, I will say there are a couple Dennis Miller off-the-cuff one-liners that made me chuckle. You know, he... He has that ability. Yeah, he is not a good guy. He's a shithead, but, like, he he is talented at the one thing that he can do, and it's, you know, throwing off a quick one-liner apparently he would only show up for filming for his shots so what a fucking dick and that's that's dick like he's that important yeah and that's dick like behavior normally but he's also improvising every line of dialogue he's doing yeah which means that he's not on set the people who are interacting with him and reacting to him they, they said that the script supervisor would, like, try and write down as much of what he did as they could. But, like, they were operating, <sighs> like, they're like, I don't know how to respond to anything he said because I didn't hear it. And uh, this movie... Only shows up for his shots. Who are yeah. you, Brando? Good he lord. Got... Brando could pull that off. Not you. Hey, Matt, do you know how much he got paid for this movie? No, I don't want to know. It's just going to make me angry. He got paid a million dollars. To show up, bullshit, and then go home. Yeah, the the story is that it Good sounds for like him. Joel Silver, who is a notoriously shithead producer. Um, He's the one who's obsessed with spiders? No, that's John Peters. I also okay, sometimes I always get con- them I always. I think I've confused those two on this show before. You you definitely have. Joel Silver <laughs> is have. the guy behind Lethal Weapon and The, the Matrix. Matrix. Have, okay. He's, um, you've seen True Romance? Yeah, pretty good. He is the film producer that the film producer in True Romance is a parody of. 
Oh, lovely. <laughs> so that kind of gives you a, a, some context. So him and Quentin are best buds. Got it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they love each other. They just hang out all the time. <laughs> so he was the one who came up with the idea of casting Dennis Miller. And he was like, yeah, no, Dennis Miller's going to be in your movie. Make it work. The kids and, love him. Yeah. And Dennis Miller was like, I don't really want to be in this movie. I will do it for $1 million, which was essentially his way of like pricing himself out of it. But Joel Silver in his cocaine fueled mania was like, okay, yeah. And Gil Adler's like, we don't have a million dollars. Joel Silver is basically a movie producer, but, you know, Alfred Molina and Boogie Nights. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he's also, oddly enough, the inventor of Ultimate Frisbee. (laughs) You know what? At least he got something right. But, um, so they, Gil Adler's like, we don't have a million dollars to give to this guy. And they're like, just take it out of the special effects budget. So they lost $750,000 of their special effects money (laughs) to pay Dennis Miller to show up and only shoot his sides of scenes. Fucking dickhead. And then, um... Joel Silver is also who demanded that uh, Angie Everhart, the supermodel and at the time dating Sylvester Stallone um, and had never acted before, be your lead vampire in this. (laughs) And she's not great. (laughs) You think? You you don't say. I think she has presence sometimes, but she can't at this stage in her career can't really act. No. Um, this movie, they just, there's no horror elements to it really at all. It's pretty much straight comedy. And I think one of the things they fucked up with, like with Dennis Miller, his whole shtick is, I'm too cool for everything that's happening on screen. Yeah. Nothing's going to affect me. I'm smarter than everybody. I'm cooler than everybody. And you can't do that in a horror script because there's no threat or like danger. Yeah, at all. But, like, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, there's a there's an okay scene where he and Chris Sarandon um, show up with water guns filled with holy water and they shoot a bunch of vampires while Ballroom Blitz plays, and it's like that's fun. It's it's fun. You could tell it would be more fun in the hands of a more capable director because it's very yeah. much like you could tell how frantically they had to edit it and how much they had to boost Ballroom Blitz to like make that scene have any energy at all. But there's a lot of cool effects in that sequence. And Gilbert Adler. He's his his only feature film. <laughs> I I come away I I feel bad for him. I think he could have made a good movie. Does there good producer moments, though. He's, he's a good a producer. producer. There are moments that are pretty cool and like I said there's a lot of good special effects in this movie. Um Angie Everhart sticks her tongue down uh, Corey Feldman's throat and then it bursts out of his chest, which is pretty cool. That's kind of cool. That's cool. Um, There's a giant laser. Matt, you didn't even see the giant laser. No, I didn't. There's a laser for no reason. And like, that's how the... (laughs) That's how they defeat Angie Everhart. For no reason. It's it's in the church. And it's done for church. (laughs) Church laser. Yeah. You never had a church laser? I, I've seen it's, those. It's not good. Um, it's, this movie is, I don't know. I I mean, I, I know we don't really like shitting on movies, but bad movie. 
it's a bad movie. There is a part of me that is still like horny and 12 that like can pull a little bit of enjoyment out of it. But it's it's not sexy like to me now. It's just it, it taps into that like, ah, oh, this is what I would have wanted to watch at that age. Yeah. And like I yeah. said, there's a couple of good jokes, but it really loses all of its energy in the final like act. And, you know, they, it's something I watched in order to fit in at that age. <laughs> it's ugly and it's mean and it's gross and it's it's not But it's not my kind of mean. Yeah, it's not fun in the way that Tales from the Crypt should be fun. Yeah, no. Um but yeah, that's that's Bordello. It's a movie. Blood. It did so badly and it everybody hated it so much that they stopped <laughs> making Tales from the Crypt movies. Or so we yeah. thought. <laughs> oh no. So Ritual This movie I did not have access to. Uh, I saw the intro that you lovingly <laughs> sent my way. Yeah, and, Matt, you uh, want to describe even, this intro? <laughs> even from the thumbnail, where uh, the Crypt Keeper has what he calls deadlocks. Um, <laughs> That's good, good. I I wanted to throw my phone into a dumpster. I did not want to watch that intro anymore. It was I made it up to he said deadlocks, and I was like, oof, this is. Uh, it's bad. This is bad, Jacob. That's a bad-looking Crypt Keeper. Yeah. That's it, a very bad-looking Crypt Keeper. That looks like not even Spirit Halloween. That looks like a Party City Crypt Keeper that they found, like, 20 years ago it's, before this movie came out. It's genuinely left it out worse in the sun. than the not-as-animated Crypt Keeper puppet that they use on the DVD menus for the, like, early seasons yes. where they had new Crypt Keeper <laughs> intros. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, and it's real racist. <laughs> and who you think? It's Jesus. John Kassir, we love you, but that Jamaican accent, you, you sound like Chet Hanks. <laughs> it's, you know it's what? Chet Hanks you know what? introduced Tales from the Crypt movie. You know what? Our man's gotta eat. He does. Good for him, I guess. Jesus. And it's, it's very unclear how this movie became a Tales from the Crypt movie. If, some people say that it started out as a Tales from the Crypt movie and they cut out the Crypt Keeper segments to release it overseas. I suspect <laughs> it's the opposite, which was it was an unrelated movie and then somebody bought it for U.S. distribution and was like, let's throw the Crypt Keeper in the opening credits with a completely different... Because it's... So basically any Hellraiser movie past three. Yes. Yeah, the, the movie's not... The movie shot on film. Let's but throw the pinhead in sequence this. Is shot on what looks to be like a smeary VHS, <laughs> and Ugh. it's so the movie itself is not. It's not good in any way. Like it's it's great worse. outfits though. Great it's outfits. worse than um, Bordello of Blood, but it's it's not horrible. It is a remake of the Val Luton I Walked with a Zombie. Which, okay. again, makes me suspect that this was never Not intended to be a Tales from the Crypt movie. Because why the hell would you remake a Val Luton movie as your Tales from the Crypt movie? Um, and Jennifer Grey is a doctor who gets fired from doctoring because she's too compassionate. It's stupid. <laughs> and she goes to Jamaica and is coming down to take care of this plantation owner's brother who has encephalitis and thinks he's a zombie 
but maybe he is a zombie. Okay. Tim Curry is in it, and his entire role is just staring at cleavage, which is not great. Um, as one does, I guess. As, but Jennifer Grey is genuinely pretty good in it. There are some moments that are kind of neat. The voodoo stuff, the... You can't make a voodoo movie and be white and have it not be racist. I feel like yeah, it's really hard. You just can't do it. And I mean, Ritual certainly I mean, is not the film that managed to do it. Maybe Wes Craven pulled it off. Maybe. Yeah, but um, that's a good movie. That's a very good movie, though. It is. By yeah, the way. Th- yeah. The this Serpent is like Rainbow. A much- Fantastic. The one of the cool things they do do in this though is that whenever do, the do. voodoo. <laughs> Voodoo do do, <laughs> voodoo who do you do? Whenever they do the um, voodoo like impacts on people, we get to see what the person is experiencing, and then it'll cut to other people, and they'll see how nothing is actually happening to them, and they're just like doing their okay. Thing. But then it cuts to them, and like their hair is snakes, and so that's a little fun. <laughs> There's that is a fun. There's a jazz musical number in the middle for absolutely no reason. Um, there's a surprise Padding. villain and it's like one of the more likable characters. So that worked. I can't ever imagine. I would not recommend watching this movie, but if this movie is yeah. on, I could imagine pulling somehow a little bit. <laughs> if this movie that is next to impossible to find and no one likes is on at a party, you know, I wouldn't run. Yeah. Away. I, I, you know, you could look up and you could see some cool stuff. Um, like snake hair yeah but it's a sad ending to the tales from the crypt franchise because yeah wow weren't they supposed to bring tales from the crypt back yeah m night Shyamalan, m night Shyamalan was going to do in tales from the crypt but it wasn't going to be based on the comics and it wasn't going to have the crypt keeper so i don't know what the fuck they were talking about so it was just the name (laughs) yeah which sucks so like like we like you just said sad ending to the tales from the crypt franchise yeah um, honestly, I don't know if movies were the right venue for Tales from the Crypt. I mean, Demon Knight rules, but Demon Knight would have ruled with or without. That's the, the anom- anomaly right there. And like, the show is perfect as it is. You know, it's twenty-six yeah. minute episodes, which is the perfect amount for. Sometimes it's even a little too long for these six-page stories. And yeah, get your little get your twenty-six minute horror fix, and uh, you're good. And you have. You have bigger directors working on the show than the movies, which is weird. Yeah. Um, Very weird. But Tales of the Crypt is, I don't know, its I think it's the perfect TV show because it combines all of my loves. It combines horror, comic books, puns, and moralizing. And those are all of the things that I love. You love these things. I love these things. Tales from the Crypt. Matt, yeah, you- so that, I, I guess, yeah, Demon Knight was the anomaly here, and... Um... Hey, everybody gets one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we also, we do have, you know, we have the Tales from the Crypt movie. So, I, I mean, the... Uh, you know, Which the, rules. The, yeah. So, if you're, if you're coming out of so this... So, two would, really good ones. Yeah. Two really good ones. One that's not, you know, atmospheric and fun. Bordello of yeah. Blood is skippable, <laughs> to be generous. Yeah. And Ritual is do generous. not search it out. Yeah, don't look don't look this movie. Don't don't watch it. It's bad. Um 
Matt, do you have any episodes that stick out to you or that you remember? Or, or are you more just kind of a, you know, a, a fan of the, just kind of the general? Either. I'm a fan of the general only because, like, I'm bad with, like, individual episodes of things. Yeah. Like, remembering individual episodes. Unless it's something like X-Files. Then I can remember, you know, certain episodes mm-hmm. that, you know, gave gave me nightmares and I uh, still watch them for some reason even though they scare the shit out of me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm bad okay. with these things with, well, with a lot of... Like well, Matt, do you yeah. mind if I leave our listeners with a few great wrecks of episodes to search out? Oh, most most definitely. Um, I, it's it's not going to be easy to find these because you can't stream them. So go out and buy all the DVDs, I guess. And it's kind of shocking. It's kind of shocking they're not streaming on HBO Max. Like I, I don't know what the rights like. They say it's a rights situation. I think it's probably because of the weird way it was produced and maybe how early it was yeah. in HBO's like yeah. run. Um. But, but hey, if you're like me and you lucked out and got the entire series for twenty dollars, uh, do that if you can. <laughs> but um, some episodes I'd recommend the the first ever episode. Walter Hill is directing, so you're already in good. Walter Hill did, I think. Two that's with the episodes. that's with the guy on Death Row, right? Yeah, the man who would be Death, and it's William Sadler. Yeah, I actually I actually do love that one. That's yeah. a really good one. William Sadler, who is like a Tales from the Crypt star because he's like, I'm in the first episode, I'm in the first movie, I show up a couple of times. He cameos as Death from Bill and Ted in one of the Keeper openings. (laughs) That's fantastic. But um, I love it. That episode's about a prison executioner who is laid off when the the death penalty is abolished, and he's so pissed Uh. off about it that he starts killing people. And then he gets arrested, and right as he's arrested, the death penalty is reinstated, and he's killed. <sighs> Which is great. Fucking awesome. Uh, another Walter Hill one is uh, Cutting Cards with Lance Henriksen and Kevin Ty, and they're gamblers who get into increasingly gruesome bets until they cut all each other's I do know off. this one. Yes. Yeah. Damn, you got some good picks. Uh, picks that I, like, once you refresh my memory, I'm like, oh no, I do know this. <laughs> one of my absolute favorites is the Ventriloquist Dummy, and it's I, I just want you to listen to this like all star lineup. You have Richard Donner directing, Frank Darabont writing, starring Bobcat Goldthwait and Don Rickles. Yes, please. The the beauty of Tales from the Crypt is that if you have the DVDs and you scroll through them, like it's like every episode is there's at least a director, writer, or actor who I'm like, oh shit, I can't wait to watch this. Every, episode, every episode is a potential potential banger. Yeah. Uh, and in the ventriloquist dummy, they do a reversal of what you think of. So the hook is that Don Rickles is a famous ventriloquist who inspired Bobcat Goldthwait. And you're like, oh, is the dummy alive and killing people? Or is Don Rickles just crazy and killing people? And then the show goes, fuck you. Third answer. Don Rickles has a conjoined twin at the end of his arm. And it's that who is the dummy and kills people. And they Time hack to cut it off. out the cancer, Jacob. They hack <laughs> malignant. Can they... we cover that one day? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, great movie. <laughs> Very similar to Ventriloquist Dummy, honestly. They, oh, good. Uh... You know what? I'm. I guarantee you, Juan loves this show. Yeah. Oh yeah, James Wan. Oh, I guarantee love it. This show. There's one episode. It's fascinating. I have you ever seen the movie Shock with Vincent Price? No. So 
I was watching it, and it's the exact plot of this Tales from the Crypt episode. And I was like, <laughs> what, are, what are the, like, timing on this? And apparently Shock with Vincent Price came out, like, six months before the comic was published. And what I am, have oh, to imagine is okay. that the writer is just, like, saw this movie and is like, hey, I got to fucking turn this around. A good one. Yeah, I got to turn around a six-page script. This is going to be forgotten in two days. And just ripped off the movie entirely. It's about a woman who sees a murder across like the the street and is so shocked that she becomes mute and the murderer sees her and she gets put into the hospital and it turns out her doctor is the murderer and he recognizes her. And so he's like, oh, no, she's insane. She has to be in under my care. And it's so good. It's like it's it's a great premise, and I see why they would rip it off. But it's so funny to me that that they were so clearly just like, who's gonna remember this in a year? And I now wonder. the movie is easily streamable for free from my home, and I can watch this TV show episode <laughs> that was based on it fifty years later. Crazy. Yeah. Um. The last one I would recommend is Top Billing with John Lovitz and John Aston, which again, just fucking. You sold great me with cast. that cast. And um, the, the hook the, of the that two one, great Johns. <laughs> I mm, I used to work at Johns Hopkins where John Aston also worked, and I never really crossed paths with him, and I still kind of regret it. Um, oh, man. My girlfriend took theater classes with him, and I'm so jealous. <laughs> that is cool. I know. Um, in this one, John Lovitz is a struggling actor who is losing all of his jobs to Bruce Boxletner, and he's auditioning for <laughs> Hamlet. <laughs> And Bruce Boxletner gets the role and he's like, you're not an actor, you're just handsome. And he's like, yeah, whatever. So John Lovitz kills him <laughs> and is like, ha ha. And so John Aston's like, well, he never showed up. I guess you can have the role. And it turns out they weren't auditioning for Hamlet. They were auditioning for Yorick. And so they cut off John Lovitz's ha. head and hold up his skull as Yorick's skull. Oh, that's fantastic. It's so good. Um, yeah, if you like twist endings and puns and Christopher Reeve and meatloaf in an episode where they're cannibals like fucking watch this show. It's the oh best. Oh my God. I got to check out that episode too. Shit. But, um, yeah, that's tales for the crypt. I hope you had a happy Halloween, everybody. You know what? Happy Halloween, Jacob. Happy Halloween, Matt. And, uh, where uh the- this, this was fun. This was great. Uh, yeah, where can we find each other on the internet? Uh, Jacob? Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at Jacob underscore DeNoble. And um, yeah, that, that's pretty much where I'm at. <laughs> yep, uh, I'm pretty much everywhere at the Real Matt C. It's uh, listen to my weird musings. I'm a weird guy just, you know, going through it. Uh, we'll be back next month with a uh, we'll try to do a Thanksgiving themed episode, right? We can try. Um, we have an idea. We can maybe see if we can make it Thanksgiving theme. Oh, Matt, I have the idea already. I have an idea as well, and we will talk about it off mic. Okay. Uh, until next time, keep on listening. And stay spooky.